Blessings. This is Pastor Walter and Maribel Arias welcoming you to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. We hope this time is a blessing for you. Make sure you subscribe to get new messages every week. Enjoy the message and embrace what the Lord has for you. This week's episode titled Facing Adversity by Pastor Walter Arias. Let's listen to the message and may God bless you. And in this morning, we give you thanks, God, for the opportunity also to share your word, asking, Lord, that this word be of a blessing for all that are here in any place that we may be in today, that it be effective, that it be embraced. I ask you that this word can go through and and cross over cultures and hearts that it can convict, that it can confront, that it can comfort, that it brings hope, Lord. I ask this in the name of Jesus, that it can suit to rejoice in it, to bring hope. And also, Lord, to bring to our attention, to put us in the correct place where in Christ, according to your word, we're placed. And I ask you, for myself, for your boldness, for your spirit, to speak as it suits, Lord, so that this word, Father, can be effective and it does not return void, but it fulfills the purpose in which it's sent. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. And in this day, I want to speak of, of a topic that has to do with a lot of the situations that in the past and the future situations, but also the present situations in which we may find ourselves in. And of course, there's an affliction collective, the COVID-19 coronavirus. And with this, some collateral damage comes with this, of course, not only the threat of death, but death itself that doesn't respect cultures or borders, you don't ask, it doesn't have to ask for a passport or get a visa, that it goes from one place to another, that it goes to the rich and to the poor, those that are high and those that are low, one from one uh, language and another. And I want to speak of a topic that concerns that have gone through an inflection and we have not abandoned those of us that can find in a situation that is difficult in the future to see how to face it. But all of those that are in this moment are living in a crisis that is palpable, that is perceived, and it's of this pandemia, <clears throat> or whatever situation that you might be going through, because there's a collateral damage, jobs are lost, the finances end, businesses are closed, and certainty falls into the heart. And in life, we're going to face with ourselves with three types of adversities, and spiritual adversity, a physical adversity, and an emotional adversity, three types of adversities. But today I want to go profound on two of them. And simply I'm going to say that adversity, the spiritual adversity, is always going to be resolved when we live lives that bring honor, that bring honor to God. When we live lives that honor God, pious lives, then the spiritual situations are going to fall where they may or where they need to. But today I want to speak of two types 
of adversities, the physical and the emotional. And the topic that we're in actually now and for anything else that you've had in the past that you have not abandoned that you didn't know how to deal with it but something also that maybe in the future you might face or that we can face today's topic has a title facing adversity repeat it there at home facing adversity and this topic has to do with the correct attitude before the needs, before the situations, before the adversities and the circumstances. And why is it open? The attitude. I believe that everything is founded there because the attitude defines how we live. We define how we're going to do it. The attitude, we define practically the results of life. And I want to share of this topic of a reading that has to do with the Apostle Paul and Silas. And allow me to get into the context. You're going to read it there in your house. And for now, I invite you to go to the book of Acts. And you're going to find there chapter 16. The book of Acts, chapter 16, verse 22. Acts chapter 16, verse 22. And we're going to start reading the story or a story that has to do with the Apostle Paul and Silas. But I'm going to put you in the context because Paul and Silas, the word of God says that they wanted to go to Asia and they want to go to Bithynia. But the Holy Spirit, listen well, did not allow it. They wanted to go and preach the word of God to those regions. But the spirit of God did not let them go, said no. On the contrary, they felt peace and they felt and saw a green light on the behalf of God to go to the region of Macedonia, exactly to the province or the region of Philippi. And there, when they arrive, they find themselves in a situation where there was a woman, they said, with a, a, a spirit of divination, a young person that brought a lot of uh, earnings to her owners. Why? Because she was they used her because she was a fortune teller and they charged her for that. And when they came to this region, scripture says that this woman started to say that these are sons of the children, uh, sons of the God most high. And Paul and Silas stayed quiet the first day and the second day. But then every day she was saying the same thing about them. And this made them feel a little bit uncomfortable. And Paul rebuked the spirit of divination. And it says that that spirit of divination came out and the people were bothered because they were now in a loss when that spirit, now they couldn't use her to gain money. And, and as such, it says that they took them and here I get into the topic directly in the Bible. So you could find it in verse 22, the word of God says the following. Then the multitude rose up together against him, against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with wood. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, listen well, and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, read it there in your Bible, read it with me. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, say suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. 
and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them to his house, he sat before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Now, look at verse 35, what it says. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, let those men go. Facing adversity. Two types of adversity where I want to get into that this Paul and Silas were facing or they were exposed to. And it was the physical adversity and the emotional adversity. And what was the attitude? And this is the first thing I want to touch on. The attitude in the face of physical adversity. We have to have a correct attitude before the situations that are present to us. Things that happen daily to us. Things that have happened Things will happen, and things happen. And let me say, things will happen in the future. So then, these situations that are adverse, that are physical, like Paul and Silas, there was a physical adversity. It says there clearly that the magistrates stripped their clothes off. It says that that they were beaten, that they were jailed, that they were taken to the most profound part of the jail and their feet were put into the stocks. And that situation is a physical situation. It speaks of a portion where your life is at risk. It's something that is touch touchable, such a, uh, something that's palpable. What is the attitude that we should have before the physical adversities? Because we're all exposed to ca- catastrophes. All of us are exposed to the situations of the climate. We're all exposed to earthquakes. We're exposed to accidents. We're all exposed to plagues, what is going to be the attitude that we should have? And this before the attitude, I should ask myself, how am I going to do it? How am I going to face the physical, the difficult situations that happen to me? So let's see the first thing. There's two types of attitudes that I feel of teaching. There's the preventative attitude and there's the reactive attitude. And before the preventative attitude, we could say, that a seatbelt, right, in your car, when you when I use it, I'm taking a preventative attitude. In the moment that I get into a car and I use that seatbelt or on a plane, a seatbelt, I'm taking a good attitude. I'm preventing something. I'm looking for an assurance. A correct diet is a preventative attitude. When we make good use of the food, of nutrients, when I 
feed myself adequately. When we see a baby analyzer and you see a baby, they you take a baby, a mother, if what she does is to take care of their child, right? And she looks how she's going to feed him because she wants to have him healthy. That's a preventative health measure. When we go and take a route where we're going to go to, we could choose if I go to this place or risky path or a safe path. We call this a preventative attitude. It's what's within our reach. It's in the easy way that we could achieve so that it goes well in our life. And the Bible supports us in this. But allow me to apply this with respect to the topic on a world level now. Coronavirus. They have told us, they have warned us, they continue warning us that society takes a preventative attitude. How does the word say in Proverbs 22.3? A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Proverbs 22.3. I'm going to say it in a, in a more, how can I say, in a context that's more updated. The one that's warned sees what's wrong. He hides, but the fool, everything happens to them. They say, <clears throat> it's what it's saying here that there's another text that is encased in a lot that is run through all the social media that I like that the church read the context in the book of Isaiah, but it's a text that we're living when the governors or the governments ask us to stay home, when government tells us that we protect ourselves. Isaiah 2620 says, come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. Until the indignation is past. A warning. The prophet Isaiah, if we take this word, we could say that it became rema to us in our society, in our moment. That word that is written, like the word is effective and uh, sharper than any two-edged sword. We can contextualize it today, we that read it, and understand that the word is saying that we hide ourselves before the physical adversity that we have before us. Before the current situation, a holy advice, hide, home, at home, when it's necessary. The preventative attitude that tells us to wash our hands with soap every day. The preventative attitude is that we don't come and meet together in a place where there's more than 10 people. A preventative attitude is that we stay at home all that we can. The preventative attitude that if we go to a place because of need, that we take steps of security, six feet of distance at least, and let us not be touching everything and let us not take the hands to our mouth or our nose or our eyes. That's a preventative attitude. The church of the Lord has to walk with the preventative attitude. We can't be insensitive. We can't put ourselves in a situation of super faith or on the contrary of what Scripture itself says. The Word of God is as a balance. We use some text for something and then other texts that takes us maybe that's opposed 
but that's thesis and antithesis and synthesis of what God is saying to us. The thesis tells us, in the name of Jesus, we could do certain things. In Christ, I could do all things that in Christ Jesus who strengthens me. But the antithesis says to me to hide, that I guard myself, that I have a preventative attitude. And where do I position myself? Even though I have faith in God, then I should be prudent. And that takes me to what is the synthesis. The word of God doesn't contradict itself. It's very important church where you are that we make use of the, in this moment of the preventative attitude. And with this and with other situation that could happen, because this is one of the things that allows us to speak in general, but there's many other things that come in life of surely as an individual that you're going to have to take a, make a decision. And the best is the preventative attitude. And the other is very simple. The reactive attitude. What is it? The reactive attitude to confront the physical adversities, they're reactive. So now that I have to react, when that wrong thing is already happening, then I have to face it because maybe I wasn't preventative. Now I have to be reactive. And we see it in this way, curiously, to prevent ourselves as the authorities have told us and to follow protocol is because we're reacting before a virus that has gone out of the hands because there was a way to prevent it, but because there was no prevention. So now we have to be reactive or reaction. And this reactive attitude is how do we face it? So we have to lament. We have to cure. We have to resolve and we have to endure. And there I conclude with a saying that is very known. Prevention is better than a cure. And I want to get into the second topic or point, which is what is the attitude in the face of emotional adversity? Because the physical adversity, we understand it, but the emotional adversity. And if I analyze there the text that we read, I noticed that that the people rose up or the people that were the owners of that uh, fortune teller, they rose up against Paul and Silas. And when they rise up against you is that they come and they grab you and they surround you. And when they surrounded them, they said they took them to the magistrates. Listen well, in the physical, in the physical, I'm going to get into Brother Cook. They rose up against them. They surrounded Paul and Silas. They came and they took them before the magistrates. And when they were there, the magistrates stripped them of their clothes. They sent them, they commanded them to be beaten. They gave them, they flogged them very good. They damaged their skin. They made them bleed. They sent them to the prison. And in the prison, they sent them to the most bottomless and profound part where there's no hope. And then when they're there, they lock their uh, feet in the stocks. So I ask the church and to you that are watching at home. Do you think that they didn't go through an emotional adversity? You think that in their emotions, they were not confronted or moved because before the physical situation, it's also together with your emotional, mental. We have a tripart body, body, soul, and spirit, and they're all connected. One needs the other. One is associated with the other. And if something physical happens to me, when something physical happens to me, immediately, emotionally, something starts to happen to me. And even before something physical physical can happen, my emotional part could already be affected. That's why the attitude, what is the attitude that I should have before the emotional adversity? I think that they were affected emotionally. 
I think they felt it in their body. I think they had fear. And they they came with an evangelistic plan, with a missionary plan. They came to speak the word. And then all this physical adversity of threats come against them. Then becoming to a spiritual the darkness comes against the purpose of God and now their bodies is receiving it and now even in their mind. And I want you there to analyze that physical adversity we can understand easily. But that mental adversity is sometimes difficult to understand it. Allow me to see what the experts say. Feeling afraid, although although it is a strong emotion, is something natural, positive and inherent. Its function is to alert us to danger and threats to ensure survival, evolve, and be able to face different vital challenges. Most scholars establish two types of fear. Listen well. The endogenous or innate and the exogenous or acquired. Two types of fear. The natural Endogenous, the acquired exogenous, two types of fear. Every human being has those types of fear. One comes with us in our DNA, in our genetic part. There's a fear that makes us prevent against danger. It's something that announces. It's something that we feel that we're in a situation that is difficult. It, it's it, it it's you, you sweat or you stop it. it it, it, it translates to, 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 to guard yourself of something. It's an errand. It's in you. That came with our designs. But there's another fear, which is the acquired fear. It's the fear that's learned in life. And it calls to my attention that the children naturally don't are not afraid of the dark. Analyze that. A child doesn't have fear of dark. They come from darkness. In the womb, there's no light. He's there in a darkness completely, and he comes out. That's why in, in, in Spanish they say that she gave dar a luz, which is to give light. But if when that child, you turn off the light, they don't have fear. When does that fear come in? When someone says, and says, listen, well, if you don't behave, I'll turn off the light. And I'm going to turn off the light so that so the child starts to grow and we start to give them fear. Children naturally are not afraid of the dark. But yes, that behavior appears that exogenous or that acquired fear is because we're adding that. Are you with me? Two types of fear. The innate, the one that's genetic, and the other that is a fear that is acquired or learned. So my beloved brother and sister, what do I want to say to you that you're there at home where you are for a situation that happened past in your life? Maybe you didn't manage it in the correct way. Maybe it was a physical situation that was difficult or threatening and you filled your heart with fear and you reacted bad. And perhaps today your life is the result of something that wasn't well managed, a fear that was not well managed. And before that, would there be an answer in the Bible? Is that maybe the Bible tells us how to face those fears? And we want to see that ahead. But in this moment that we're in this world situation of the pandemic of COVID-19, let me say to you, what's going to happen when the next one comes? And what's going to happen when another situation comes? Have you noticed that they've been 
wars in humanity. There's been <clears throat> there's been two world wars. There's been world wars continually. There's always been wars. In this moment, there's wars. War approximates to the places. The Second World War, so many people died in that. We're almost in the point of another one. They continually say that. So the question is, how are we going to manage our emotions? Because we're always afraid. We're all fearful. We all feel confronted in something. It's not a sin that we get scared. It's not a sin. But what is the attitude that should have? So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says something. And I want you to read it there in your Bibles. Proverbs chapter 4, 23. And it says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. Listen well. Keep your heart with all diligence. With everything where kept where in your mind. They are reserved in your thoughts. Above all things that we're putting, it says be careful. Because from your mind springs out the issues of life. In other words, you die or I die in our minds. Or I live in my mind. My body could be good, but in my mind, I could have, de- have death. My body could be healed, but in my mind, I got sick. My body could be fine, and inside, I could be fine, but in my mind, I'm, I have contentions. In my mind, uh, many things come to me that are not true. Of all things, we have to guard. And I started to think in this topic, this present topic, that it's necessary to understand that we should face that information that we receive with respect to this coronavirus. Take care of that sensationalistic news. Allow me to explain. Is that the news, they know how to manage television and they know they know how to manage what's called emotions. That's their job is to manage your emotions or mine. That's why if we see a movie and the movie analyzed, it's a movie. We put it. We know it's a movie. We know that it's fake, that it was filmed in some place, a bunch of actors, that nothing is true, and analyze it. That movie will make us laugh or cry. Why? Because there's an opportunity to get into the mind and to work in the part that is emotional in our mind. It's a design. The audiovisual has a design. The information that's audiovisual is tremendous. So there's news that are practical and simple with their very professional and others that are yellow journalism. And I'll explain it in a simple way. Coronavirus has arrived to such a place and has caused sickness in so many people. Uh, another way. Coronavirus doom, 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 has arrived and is going and dealing with society and he's finishing. And then they put that music and the person lifts his voice and he puts some effects and the mind goes, oh, and curiously, that's the newsman you're going to continue looking for because they manage in sensationalism. They're managing your emotions. And that's where the Bible says, be careful, guard your mind because your mind has life because your mind is where everything functions because your your mind functions or doesn't. So I invite you in this day to be careful with those news people or news shows. Which ones are you watching? 
And another thing, and if you can't handle the information, then don't see it. Don't listen to it. That's another truth. There's people that can't handle that information. <clears throat> That's why they reserve so many things in groups, in governments, because the society in general, maybe they're not, are not very understanding of the things. And when they give some information, then society dies. If you're not of the type of people that can see a news and balance it and breathe deeply and continue without that news being affecting you, then don't watch it. Change the channel. Put cartoons if you want. Watch some little cartoons. But don't watch those things that are, you feel you're going to lose your emotions over or that the fear is going to abound in you. The Word of God tells us how we should confront all of this. To redirect your thoughts before a thought or news that is difficult or before this physical threat that to any of us can happen. I need to guard my mind and I need to redirect my thoughts continually. Fill yourself with life and fill yourself with hope. Fill yourself with good habits and fill yourself with the most important that I'm speaking to the church, fill yourself with the word of God, the word of God that is living and effective, the word of God that comforts you. It's something I've analyzed with my, I was speaking with my family yesterday and while we were doing the devotional, I said, the word of God is tremendous. The, the Our daily bread, as a church, every day we use the devotional of our daily bread. And, and I said, tremendous how all the topics in case and have been, coming, encasing in this pandemic, in this situation. There's not one topic that did not fit in this situation. So the question, how does it work? Is because the Bible is alive. The Word of God has a tremendous capacity. The Word of God is that. It's the Word of God. It's the Word from the Most High. And when it's the Word from the Most High, that Word is accommodates to the heart, specifically to the individual. What that word can speak to me, maybe today I see it in one way, but the next day I read the same word and it accommodates in a need and in a different situation. That's what we have to do. The correct attitude before emotional adversity is to take our thoughts to the obedience of Jesus Christ, to take them captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ, whatever difficult situation to the obedience of Jesus Christ, whatever threatening, whatever fear that I have, I present it before the Lord. Because then I ask you, church, the question, then what is your function and what is the function of the word? If not that. And the book of Isaiah says something very special in verse, I'm uh, sorry, in chapter 26, in the book of Isaiah, it says in verse three, you will keep him in perfect peace. Look, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26, three. Once again, we could read it once again. It says there, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What is the scripture saying to us there? It's saying to us that there's an, a response on behalf of God before a condition that's emotional, that threatens a situation that is legitimate, that is called fear, inerrant, or fear that is received. What does it say? That I persevere in God. 
that the peace of God will come to my mind, that that the supernatural peace enters into my being if I persevere in thinking in God. That word is for you, church. This word is for you where you may be. The antidote for fear is the word of God. The antidote for fear is persevere. Not one day read the Bible or, or I congregate or that I connect through the internet. No, it's to persevere. Understand the word persevere. Persevere is something continuous, 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 continuous. And I give you another example. You persevere with your cell phone. Tell me. You persevere with your iPad. You persevere with your social media. I believe that you and I persevere in all of that. I believe that every day you and I make use of the cell phone, or at least the majority of the people. I'm convinced that even the most poorest person has a cell phone. We persevere in that. Do we seek it with the love of our heart? Do we desire? Do we sleep with it? What's the first thing that you have in your right hand, in your body, or your, I mean, in uh, your bed or your left hand? What? Your cell phone. What does the Bible say? That we persevere. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you. That's a teaching. How to deal with adversity. The emotional adversity and the correct attitude there says to persevere in God. Let us go quickly. Paul and Silas face that emotional adversity. How do they do it? It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. They were beaten against them. They stripped them of their clothes. They flogged them. They sent them to the prison. They condemned them at once. They put them in the most profound part and they put their feet in the stocks. And what happens there? And verse 25 says, but listen, listen and analyze the attitude. But at midnight, praying, says Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Tell me if this is not an, a positive attitude that is biblical according to what Isaiah just said to us. Isaiah said that God will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And so Paul and Silas knew that scroll of Isaiah. They were very well instructed in the word and they knew the mechanism that they had to use in facing that adversity. And even though in physical uh, adversity, when that adrenaline came down, they started to pray and to praise. And when they praised and they worshiped, they said they sung hymns to God and something happened and the prisoners were listening to them. And then verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. Here, there's a, a great many things that we overlook. The correct attitude of them in their adversity took them to pray first, to persevere in God, then took them to praise, to worship. What power there is in praise and worship. It's the same when you get into one of those songs that... That those songs that says that are can hit your souls. If you don't love me, I'll cut your face. Or so those songs that really get into your head. We get music 
that disintegrate, that brings sadness to the soul, that brings so many people to a state of suicide or could bring them to drugs or alcohol. Or we get a good praise like Paul and Silas in this condition of coronavirus. I'm sorry. Of the confinement in your home. Of this quarantine, whatever you want to call it. Praying and singing. And when they worshiped and they prayed and they praised, something came. It said, suddenly, what had come? The physical anguish, the physical adversity, the emotional adversity. And when they took the correct attitude to pray and praise, then suddenly, then upon all that, something new came. And there was an earthquake, an earthquake, and I like to get into there, that shook the foundation. Listen well, it shook the foundation. And it opened the doors and loosened the chains. What happened in the prayer? These things happened. The prisoners were listening to them. They started to sing. How interesting that your peace and my peace is going to bring peace to your neighbor. How important the role of the church during this adversity of COVID-19 or whatever situation. My peace. I'm a light in this moment on this earth. I have to be salt on this earth in this moment. I cannot be with all this negative news, negative, 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 even though they're true. I have to find the correct attitude, persevere in God, and I persevere in my thoughts in the Lord. He's going to be with me. He's going to fill me with a supernatural peace. I'm going to take the correct attitude because when I have the correct attitude, then my neighbors are going to be listening. Or I go with my fear, or they're going to hear a Christian worshiping God. A man placing music, or a woman placing music, and worshiping there in their house. That they don't... What do they have that they don't have fear? What is going on that nothing is happening? We have everything, because who has the Son has everything. Amen? That is the attitude that we have to have in this moment. An attitude of worship. An attitude of prayer. What happens... If something else happens, the prisoners saw the jailer was saved and they were freed from the prison. Many things before the correct attitude. And what I want to say, let us be careful. Take care of fear that the prayer and praise shaken those foundations of fear. Take care to be behind closed doors of uncertainty that praise and worship open up the doors of uncertainty where many have hid. Take care of yourself of those chains of desperation because some have already put chains on them. What are we going to do? How am I going to do it? Take care. Pray, worship, and wait for the supernatural that will come. But something supernatural came, and you and I are going to rejoice in that with the answer from the heavens because if we're believers, that's our hope. In that in God, we're kept, we're kept not only in the house, but we're kept in Christ Jesus. And I want to conclude with an illustration. It's the Arab tale. It's a it's a Arab tale of the king and the plague. And this tale says that a king one day is there in the in the desert and he sees he finds himself with death. And death had that scythe in the hand. And he says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going to Baghdad. And and the king said, what are you going to do in Baghdad? And, and the death said, I'm going to 
cut off the, the heads of 50 people and death went, the Grim Reaper. And with time, some days go, and in the desert, that king is found again with death and was so angry with death. And he says, you're such a liar, death. And he says, what would I do? He goes, you told me that you were going to go to Baghdad to kill 50 people, but you killed 500. And death said, not I. I did what I said was going to do. And I did it. I did. And I killed 50. The other 450 died of fear. My beloved brother and sister, guard your emotions. The preventative attitude is better than the reactive attitude for the physical things. But in the adverse situations, the attitude to guard our thoughts, to seek God, to persevere in Him, is what we as believers are called to do. The correct attitude against emotional adversity is imperative. Since in the mind, it's where we live or die, where we overcome or are overcome. Persevere thinking about God, thinking about His statutes. Get in with God in this moment and in all moments. Why do I say this to you that I say, please bring your Bible. And I hope that you opened your Bibles there at home and that you've underlined. Because when you persevere in that paper, when you persevere underlining, you're getting some information into your mind and your eyes are going to captivate and see things. And when a difficult time comes... Even though you don't know the Bible, you're going to go to a page because that made a register in your mind and in your heart. And there when you read, you're going to find peace in the midst of the storm. And I want to pray in this moment. Good God, we give you thanks for this opportunity. Lord, to worship you as a church, even in the distance, Lord. We are not subject, Lord, to a physical place. But yes, we get into the spirit where we are. Because we're spiritual beings and we're in the body united one with another and you being the head, Christ, we give you thanks. Because in the midst of the situation, you teach us how to live with hope, with your word and persevering in you. We ask, God, I ask that this word does not return void, that we treasure this word at home because we have neighbors, that we treasure it because we have co-workers and non-believers, because we have people around us that are in desperation, that are in fears, that are in afflictions, that are dying in their minds, that we, Lord, have the correct attitude of a spiritual life that is full with a thought persevering in you and with your peace that goes upon all above all understanding that fill us with joy and happiness. And with that radio playing worship music and lifting up our voice and the neighbors can hear and the words of hope can be heard and the prisoners that to them, their chains are loose and they could come forth victorious in all of this. Thank you, God, for the church. Bless it where it is, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus and the church of the Lord says, amen and amen. May God bless you. Greatly. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in the social networks such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos Florida. We hope this message has edified you and please share with others. Have a wonderful day.